This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Episode 49 of the Top Rope Nation podcast, back on the air. One third of your host and crew right here, Ryan Drasty, joining you for your weekly discussion of professional wrestling. And I will get to our other two. We got a we got a little bit of a change on hand this week. So first off, over there in Cleveland, Ohio, back with us, Kyle Ross. Kyle, what's going on tonight? Living the dream, man. Living the dream. What's the weather yeah. like in Cleveland this time of year? shitty snowed today. <laughs> actually it, it snowed horribly this morning got real nice and then snowed again so your guess is as good as mine not that i get to experience it all i had foot surgery and i'm just i just lay on the couch all day it's it's over over here <laughs> so i'm actually over. we're actually kind of lucky here in iowa right now usually uh we've got a shit ton of snow at this point but it's actually almost all melted so i'm pretty happy about that so we'll keep that going and uh, also joining us. So uh, Justin Joint, not able to make the show this week. He's got a sick kid. Condolences to him. I know how that goes. I know Kyle knows how that goes. And I know our next host knows how that goes. So if you are a longtime listener of the Top Rope Nation podcast, you've heard him here before. He's kind of our de facto substitute host. So you'll be hearing him again in the future. Glad he can join us again tonight from the Empire State himself, Joe Dorian on hand joe what's going on nothing much man i'm i'm here i'm uh i'm ready to fill in and just so that no one forgets about justin you guys can't see it but i got the yankee fitted on in his in his memory so i'm uh i'm ready to ready to fill in i mean the best i can fill in for for that guy hope his kid feels better very nice very nice guys we gotta we gotta talk smackdown uh we are recording this tuesday night yeah go ahead it's too bad that we we should uh you know, have Joe put on the blue. Well, that's I guess blue blazer mask jokes haven't aged well, but we could you know just put it on him. Well, you know, and he could pretend that you know he's Justin, just kind of like Coco Beware did with Owen Hart. <laughs> well, the last time I did the podcast back in, I want to say it was like June of last year because it was right around Money in the Bank. Um, that was when when Kyle broke out the the heel sunglasses on us. Oh yeah, <laughs> hot stuff, Kyle Ross looking like Eddie Gilbert. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's right. <laughs> oh man we got a lot to talk about um you know first half of smackdown first half of smackdown tonight i didn't know how the show was gonna go i thought we'd probably talk about all the fabulous moolah nonsense but then shane O'Mac gave us something to talk about so before we get to that though i gotta throw this out guys leave us a review on itunes check us out on stitcher radio 
The show has been growing since we returned a couple weeks back. Uh, Like I said, this is episode 49. This is going to be a pretty big week for us. Um, Episode 50 is going to feature a big interview. Um, We're going to have Flip Gordon from Ring of Honor and recently of New Japan joining us on the broadcast. That's going to drop later this week, so that should be available this weekend. So make sure you check that out. And you can find us at topropenation.com. And wherever you get your podcasts. So, SmackDown editing, guys. Uh, I guess Kevin Owens and Sammy, Sammy Zayn are back on the same page. And this is inevitably going to lead to all kinds of Daniel Bryan rumors. How, how could they do this without Daniel Bryan? It has to be leading to a tag team match between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan taking on Kevin Owens and Sammy Zayn. Uh, Kyle, I know you got a lot to say about this. What were your thoughts initially as this aired here Tuesday night? confusion because if you read the reports over the weekend it was allegedly going to be Shane McMahon versus Dolph Ziggler as kind of an out of nowhere program I'll bring people up to speed if they didn't read those reports it started with your boy Shep referencing that they were going in a different direction with this Shane McMahon storyline which has been all over the place and you know, allow me to be the 75th person to say, you know, it hasn't been very good. Um, it's, it's been a big reason why SmackDown's been kind of a chore to get through, uh, dating back to the fall. And that uh, Owens and Zayn were going to be relegated to the Andre Battle Royal. And Owens, if you looked on his Twitter account, even played into this. I don't know if you guys saw this. He photoshot a, uh, or screenshot an old Andre Battle Royal and had the caption tape study. So yeah. I'm like, okay, this is gaining traction. Mm-hmm. And it was WrestleMania it, 30, the, the show that he screen capped, I'm pretty sure. Last time they were oh, in New Orleans. Oh Yeah, it was. You're right. Well, and then a second report came out. I think it was Dirty Sheets had this that, and this made a lot of sense. And then sort of in my, the wheels started turning in my head where I'm like, okay, this is why SmackDown has kind of gone off the rails. The plan when this was supposed to start was to build to a tag match with Kevin and Sammy taking on Shane and Daniel Bryan. And I think we can all agree that after all this kind of subpar television, Daniel Bryan returning to the ring is kind of the only way to justify it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Bryan reportedly turned the scenario down because, and again, this is third party I'm hearing, he was booked to basically take no bumps and, you know, Shane was going to work 95% of the match. And Brian was like, fuck it, I'm not doing that. And I was all ready to come on this podcast. And I just wanted to talk about that and talk about Brian's right of refusal and what we all thought of that. But now it looks like we've come full circle. There's, they're not doing Kevin and Sammy in a singles match at Mania. I just don't think they are based on the angle tonight. Clearly they're back together. Clearly they're a team. And they're going to work Shane. They can't do another triple threat. This card has too many triple threat matches. So it's going to be Shane and somebody against Kevin and Sammy. Shane tees Daniel Bryan returning next week. I don't know who on earth it could be. If it's not Daniel Bryan, it certainly would be a dud. I mean, what babyface on the roster could it possibly be? I mean, I guess... Rusev you could go with, but that would make no sense. Uh, Ty Dillinger would be underwhelming, to say the least. So to me, 
amidst all the confusion, you know, my Twitter feed was full of confusion tonight. I don't know about your guys. When they're like, what? What's going on? I'm confused. My thought is, as soon as it was a two-on-one beatdown, this has got to be leading to Brian coming back in a tag match in Mania. Yeah. I, speaking of who could it be, I just have to throw this out here because I'm scrolling on Twitter right now. Um, I posted a tweet. <laughs> yeah, uh-oh. I, I posted a tweet saying, you know, this has to be Brian. And one of the first responses someone threw out on our Twitter page, doubt it, knowing WWE, it will be Shane and Vince versus KO and Sammy. <laughs> Vince okay. McMahon is 70 years old. <laughs> okay, now, hold on. That's funny. Somebody tweeted that. Because everybody's good buddy on Twitter.com, Rovert, claims that was actually the original, original plan was Shane and Vince to be a team against Kevin and Sammy. Again, I don't know if that's true, but he's been right about things. Vince tore his hamstring getting into the ring. We can't actually think he's going to wrestle. Right? Or what? No, was it? It was his quad, he, I, not his hamstring, his quad. I was I go, but I don't know. I mean, if again, if they're going to book Daniel Bryan not to take any bumps and do very little, can't they do the same with Vince McMahon? I don't know. I think you lose a little bit of believability if you've got Shane, 50 years old, and a 70-year-old against two well, of your <laughs> younger talents on the I, roster. I agree, but, you know, in the, well, hold on, because this is the question I want to throw to Joe and get him in this discussion. Because is Shane, because it seems to me that, like, they're hell-bent on, there has to be a Shane McMahon match on WrestleMania. With Stephanie working the Ronda tag, is there really a need, Joe, for Shane McMahon to be on the card as well? It seems like McMahon overkill. Is there a need? No. But are they going to do it? Absolutely. Like Shane McMahon, Shane McMahon is going to jump into to whatever match he's going to jump into and he's going to have a crazy spot. He's basically he's the equivalent of Kofi in the Rumble where he's just he's going to have a spot somewhere. Um, I don't see. Like, I think we're like Shane McMahon has to be involved in this match, right? I don't see yes. I don't see any scenario where it's not Shane and blank versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn at this point, given what they've done in the last, you know, since October of last year at Hell in a Cell and, and even before that, really, everything has been building to Shane McMahon and blank versus Kevin and Sami now. The only thing that that has me a little tripped up, like any, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of with you guys in in a sense that like anything other than Daniel Bryan is a colossal failure in terms of the way they've booked this entire thing. If he's not up to do it, I don't know who takes that spot. They're, you know, we're, we can throw out whatever name we want as far as Rusev and Ty Dillinger and all these people. But, the, I mean, Daniel Bryan's, he, it has to be him. And if it's not him, whatever, whatever they go with is going to be incredibly underwhelming. I don't see a triple threat. Um, I know, and I, I partially got worked by this tonight when, when Sammy and Kevin had the little spat. And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't. I didn't think that was it. I didn't think fast lane was a split. I just thought it was them going at it. And then tonight they would be fine. And then for a minute, it seems like they were, you know, they really were gearing up towards, um, an Owens Sammy match at WrestleMania. And I said, I mean, the match is going to be good if we get that, but shit, how many times, you know, 
if it's not Daniel Bryan, I don't I don't know what they're doing. But I I think it's a lock that Shane is somewhere on this card, and I don't see anywhere else yeah. it would be other than right here. Right. The McMahons don't work a match at Mania unless it's a top star, right? Like, there's no way Shane McMahon's working with Ty Dillinger at WrestleMania. Yeah, no, I, I just threw it out because, literally, he's the only ba- singles babyface that isn't programmed into something already that came to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, uh, oh yeah, no, I get that kinda, for sure. I kind of wanted to illustrate that there is no one else. I mean, if you, if you, right. yeah, I mean, Ty Dillinger, it's, he's laughable in that spot. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. There is one other person, Kyle. Oh, no. This is a guy who wants to work WWE one last time. He hails oh from Venice Beach, California. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be bad. God, I thought, was... I thought you were going to say Brad Shepard. Oh, God. Brad Shepard might do more buys than Hulk Hogan in this day and age. Stop it. God forbid. <laughs> Can you guys Stop imagine? It. <laughs> Stop I... it. I'm sorry. I'm fucked up. I got to throw this out here, though, because he's not with us tonight. All right. Monday night. Just you guys, if you've been listening to Top Rope Nation, you know, we're all going to WrestleMania. Well, Joe, are you going to WrestleMania, by the way? Uh, Unfortunately, I'm not. I'm going to be in Boston that week, actually. I'm (sighs) taking my first trip ever to Fenway. But oh, that's acceptable, I guess. Yeah, border. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited about it, but I'd rather be in New Orleans. It'll be easier to go for you next year. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Three-fourths of us are going to be in New Orleans, maybe all four next year in, in New York. But uh, you guys know, I mean, Justin wants more than anything for The Undertaker to wrestle at this show. And we've been talking about it here now a couple of weeks. And Monday night, this guy about had a coronary scene in that segment with uh, John Cena and calling out The Undertaker. This is official, right? There's no doubt Cena and Undertaker. Can you There's imagine? no way they don't do it at this point. Yeah. yeah. There's no way. Can well, you... that was... Go, Go ahead. ahead. Sorry. I was just no, going to no. say, can, can you imagine... Justin's reaction if he also gets Daniel Bryan returning to the ring at his first WrestleMania live experience. <laughs> We're going to have to have a lot of booze in this guy, is what I'm trying to say, Kyle. Um, by the, I mean, that, that begs the question. It's an interesting point. My God, this card, if Daniel Bryan returns? Oh, I mean, my God. This yeah. card. Wow. Is this a strong card on paper? Yeah. Uh, if that happens. Yeah, I've seen, I, I got. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I've seen tweet. You know, I know you've mentioned a couple times, Ryan. This might be. This is one of the the biggest cards in a while we're shaping up to have. And you know, you're making those comments without even thinking about Daniel Bryan being involved. The Matt, yeah. I mean, if he if if he's in there too, Jesus. Yeah, this is gonna sound kind of strange, but we were talking about this uh, myself and Justin, another one of my buddies, my friend Tim. We were we were out for beers one night, and this was like probably a month ago when we first decided we were going to go to New Orleans and uh, I actually said to my other buddy that you know I don't know I have a feeling Daniel Bryan still might wrestle at this show and I'm, I'm not trying to sound like Brad Shepard here like you know I'm pulling scoops or anything <laughs> I'm going to start a tally I think we're at three or four now <laughs> but I swear to God I swear to God I said this because we were trying to convince our third buddy to go with us and he, he decided not to go and he is a huge Bryan fan so if Brian does wrestle at the show, I think he's going to be regretting not going. But we talked about it as a possibility, and yeah, I I don't see any way this doesn't okay, happen. Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me let me be the wet blanket here, okay? Because it's interesting you brought up Cena Undertaker, and let's compare it to this situation. Cena Undertaker had to happen because John Cena telegraphed it a few weeks ago, before he even went back to SmackDown and 
worked fast lane and got involved in the main event for that show, he telegraphed that it would be him and The Undertaker when he said, I want The Undertaker, and the crowd went crazy for it. At that point, even if they were like debating the issue, they had to do that match. Uh, based on, you know, there's clearly an appetite for it. It's kind of funny that you meant that Justin's that into it, because I'm sort of actually lukewarm on the match. Uh, but whatever teaches own, and, and a lot of people are excited for it. Dude, if this happens and Brian returns, Justin's going to be walking around New Orleans like Ron Jeremy all weekend. <laughs> here's, my, here's my point. They had to do that, because there was, all, A, nothing else for Cena logically to do, and, and B, he, he had teased it. And when you, you don't tease something like that and not deliver. Right. There, There's no there, way. There has been no tease, conversely, for Daniel Bryan. So we should not get our hopes. But while it seems, it's because well, it's what we want. And wrestling fans do this sometimes. They huh. see an opportunity for something they want, and then it's like, it has to be this. It has to be this. And yes, given how bad this whole feud has been, I don't see any way to redeem it besides having Daniel Bryan work. But it has not been teased at all it's not like they've done something on television where daniel bryan's like shane if these two ever go at you and beat you down i got your back i'll you know i don't care what the doctors say i'm getting in that ring they've never done anything of the sort right. so we're right just I'm, gonna disagree, I'm gonna disagree with you on that actually i think they've teased it a little bit well they have yeah not not like as directly like he's gonna he's gonna team with shane but they've they've teased a bryan comeback right in the last few months yeah, they teased the Brian comeback. Yeah, but there has been there has been nothing but friction between Shane yeah, and Daniel Bryan. It right. seemed like almost they were going in the opposite direction, where you know they were going to be on like opposite sides of some program. It made right. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I thought that was a direction Shane Bryan for sure. So they will have worked me in that regard. I'm just saying, I think they've they've teased Brian getting back in the ring. Like they've made all these comments about, oh, he's living vicariously through Kevin and Sammy. He wants to be cleared more than anything. Like Shane's mentioned that in promos. Okay. But, yeah. So that that's gone back for a while. They they've laid like subtle clues here and there, but definitely not that he would team with Shane. That you're right on that. Okay. You can I'm- make the case. Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead, because I'm taking this in a different direction. All right, I was going to say, you can make the case that they've been teasing a Daniel Bryan comeback since he got into it with The Miz however long ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, because, we, I mean, people were talking about that when it happened. Like, what's the end game for, for Miz going at Bryan if it's not a match between the two of them? So, yeah, I mean, you could make the case that they've been teasing a Daniel Bryan comeback for, you know, nine months or however long it's been. Well, you know, that, and that's why Talking Smack got canceled, though, is because guys were going off in directions that were not endorsed by the current creative team. R.I.P. Talking Smack. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, it was awesome. And, yeah, you watch it. I mean, it's really funny. Somebody tweeted this. Uh, when was it? I think it was Raw 25. And Miz came out, and him and Brian have this brief stare down on the ramp. I have no idea what the – I think they were introducing past and – present commissioners or something on that 25 raw and brian yeah out. yep 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 it, Miz came out and he just stared at brian and somebody tweets like my god have they ever is there like any match you want to see more than daniel bryan versus the Miz in this promotion yeah, he still I mean, does the kicks here and there yeah, yeah. He's still yeah he's still trolling them with the moveset yeah i mean they've actually inadvertently i think done an unbelievable job at building a match that we may never see. But anyway, here's my here, here's why I want to bring the discussion to. 
Daniel Bryan, the idea of him refusing to do that match based on the notion that he it's not going to be a quote-unquote real match for him. What do we think about that? He obviously has the right to do it. You have the right to do anything. But what do we think about that? that I he, buy it. I buy it 100%. I can well, see that you happening. Agree with him? Like, does that piss you off as someone who wants to see, like, does it disappoint you as a fan? Because everyone wants to see Daniel Bryan in a ring again, obviously. I mean, I shouldn't say everyone. There's probably some people out there that don't. There's terrible Facebook comments, by the way, <laughs> of people who are like, Daniel Bryan was over. I mean, these are people I don't care to associate with, but whatever. Russian trolls. Yeah, most <laughs> sane wrestling fans would love to see Daniel Bryan get in the ring again. Yeah, I agree. What do we think about him? What do you think, then, as a Daniel Bryan fan of him saying, no, I don't like that scenario. I'm not doing it. Thanks, but no thanks. Hmm. I can see where, like, in months in advance, he might say no just as, like, a, a pride thing. You know, he doesn't want to work a handicap style. And if he's, if he's going to work, he wants to work like he knows that he can. You know, now that he has been cleared by outside doctors and everything, and this is a guy who probably is going to work Japan in the fall unless they let him return on a semi-regular basis. Um, but I think as WrestleMania season draws closer and he can work on the biggest show of the year, I think it just becomes something that he's more willing to do. Maybe it's that simple. I don't know. Hey, we were talking off air, man. Daycare gets expensive. That's right. I mean, big payoff for sure. You can't you can't ignore the the WrestleMania payoff. By the way, this Twitter feed is just blowing up. I did actually, as you were talking about who would be against Daniel Bryan returning, because my comment on Twitter was Daniel Bryan WrestleMania a wrestling return, and someone did say no, 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 three exclamation points. So there are some people out there. I understand. All right. So if people are coming at it from the standpoint, because I feel the same way you can, there's a lot of parallels you can draw between Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle. Um, you do reach a point and I just want to, you know, little sidebar here. Daniel Bryan was slash is maybe, I don't know, uh, my favorite wrestler since, since Austin when he was in there and there's nothing I want to see more than him getting back in the ring. But if people want to say, no, I don't want to see him back in the ring because, like, if you wanted to take the angle that I don't want to see Daniel Bryan wrestle because it's not going to be enjoyable for me because I'm going to be worried about him the entire time, I can see someone going in that direction. Um, Like, I want to see Daniel Bryan back in the ring also, but I'm not a, a doctor. You know, if he's... If I have to, like, if I do see Daniel Bryan back wrestling in the WWE or wherever, there's going to be a, a little part of me that's, you know, every time he does a, a running dropkick or every time he does this or every time he takes this kind of bump, I'm going to be like, ah, I hope he's all right. And I, you know, I get that. If there's people out there who don't want to see him in the ring for that reason, then I understand. If there's anyone who doesn't want to see him in the ring for any other reason, I, I don't understand that. But if anyone who's concerned about his safety or his long-term health, um, you know, I get that part of it 100%. Good take. Yeah. Good take. I like that. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I felt that way for a long time, when especially when the rumors started flying, you know, that he was getting this treatment, he wanted to return. I'm like, ooh, I, I don't know about that. Like, I'd be really uncomfortable watching him. But as it's progressed and he's had more than one outside doctor clear him and then especially when 
Brie got on board that she was cool with him wrestling again. I think at that point, it kind of sold me like happy th- wife, happy life. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it kind of sold me like. Yeah, I think WWE definitely is being overly cautious because of like the concussion lawsuits that they've had and everything. Um, but if he does have numerous doctors out there that have cleared him, I don't know they would bother me as much. But yeah, I can't deny that I would still think about it a little bit watching him work. So you're definitely onto something there, Joe. Yeah, yeah, I-, I would think about. It. I mean, I think about it every time I see Undertaker fight. I think you know, there's a there's a few guys. Um, Ah, maybe not a few because most of them just don't wrestle anymore. But, uh, you know, Sting was one of them and we, we know what happened there. And Undertaker's another one where, you know, I see an Undertaker match and no disrespect to Justin. I feel like Justin probably, you know, he, he maybe he just wants to see the entrance because I'm with <laughs> I'm with Kyle where it's like, yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm on another on another Undertaker match, too, you know, but. But being in the crowd live to watch him walk down the ramp and, and listen to the theme music would be dope. But every time I see an Undertaker match, it's it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, you see pictures of him, you know, posted on this website or this website where he just, you know, he looks like he's 80 years old. And it, there's a part of me when I'm watching an Undertaker match where I'm like, just please, you know, please be OK. I want you to have a good match, but also I want you to be able to walk out by the time you're you're done here. Yeah, yeah, he was terrible. I mean, I was in the building last year. He was terrible. I mean, he's been bad. I mean, no offense. I mean, look, the guy has a right to work. I mean, I mean, it's one of the unbelievable careers of all time in the history of this industry. But he has sucked four years in a row at WrestleMania. But Absolutely. I want to double back to the name that Joe originally brought up when he was making his point, Kurt Angle. And a match immediately popped in my head under this scenario that we're talking about with Brian. And that's WrestleMania 19 when he headlined against Lesnar. If you guys remember, remember he... Yeah. His neck was fucked six ways from Sunday. Oh, yeah. He had some, like, witch doctor do something <laughs> so he could get in the ring. Uh, I'm sure the man's accredited uh, in, the, in the medical profession. But still, it was bizarre. And I remember watching that show live being like, oh, God, please, Kurt Angle, please be okay. Please get this through okay. And then, of course, Brock Lesnar's the one who, you know, does the shooting star press and lands on his freaking head. And the match is over. You're like, Jesus Christ, is, like, he going to be okay? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that was that was uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, there is something to it where it's like, yeah, you know, I want Brian back in as much as anyone, just as a Daniel Bryan fan. But, um, you know, I I do, you know, I I want him to be okay, and I I don't want to sit and watch a match. But God, you know, please be okay, please be okay. So you know, maybe working safe is the right move. It's it's the compromise, at least the first time back. But um, are you guys cool then if he Pert made the decision? If he does make the decision, who knows where it's going to be like, no, I don't want to wrestle. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Scenario. I, yeah. I guess to answer your original question, um, if Daniel, Br- I mean, I guess it depends how it was pitched to him. We don't know the details, but if, if they said, you know, cause that's the thing. If you go back to the Kurt Angle match at Survivor Series, Kurt had to take a, a pretty serious bump for him to be able to kind of, kind of sit out a long duration of that match. So mm-hmm. if they're if they don't want Brian taking any bumps, how does he how does he I just don't know how he gets through the match. Right. Like well, I, match, he's on the apron the whole time and they do like a low. I mean, OK, he's got a bump at some if, point, though. I would think. If you're agenting the match. You do a long, long heat segment on Shane McMahon. Definitely. Yeah. Fiending for that hot tag. The question is, will the crowd accept that? You know, 
And keep in mind, Brian saying no, it's not. I, it doesn't seem like it's out of safety for his own safety. It's like, no, I want to freaking go, man. Right. I don't want right. to do this half ass stuff. So um, from that perspective, look, it's his career. And, you know, I, I would respect that decision. But um, I guess it'd be kind of disappointing just because. You know, to be honest, as someone who's watched SmackDown, I, I want this angle paid off some redeeming value. It's been so terrible for months. Yeah. I want to draw another parallel here that I, that I kind of thought about when you talked about WrestleMania 19. And then especially, Kyle, when you, when you were talking about, uh, you know, maybe take it lightly, see how it goes this time, and then maybe it'll be something after that. Kind of makes me think back to uh, 2002 when Shawn Michaels came back. And I kind of feel like I would be watching this match kind of in a similar fashion to how I watched Michaels return at SummerSlam that year. Because if you watch wrestling in the late 90s, early 2000s, none of us ever thought in a million years we'd see Shawn Michaels wrestle again because of his back situation. And if you remember the first time he did like anything physical on Raw, I think it was a week or two before SummerSlam in 02, he like jumped from the ring to the outside and he fell like kind of awkwardly and he didn't really hit the move very well. And then going into the match, I think there were no expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone kind of thought there was something about, uh, because of how his spine was messed up, that it was like compression that would hurt the, hurt his back not actually like taking a blow to the back but you know like he couldn't drop down to his butt like that would hurt hurt his back so that he was gonna have to work like this modified style and that was like the word going in i remember and then as everyone knows him and triple h absolutely tore the house down like one of the best SummerSlam matches of all time i totally marked out for that what was more shocking though michael's performance in that match or the fact that he would go on to work eight more years (laughs) Because definitely the latter. Yeah, definitely the latter. Like, that was something that, like, you know, it wasn't until, like, 03 or something I was like, or even later after that. Like, I just, like, every year I was like, all right, this will be it for Sean. And he just kept going and going and going. And, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know he was, if I remember correctly, it was was not meant to be a long-term thing when they brought him back. It was supposed to be a one-off. And then they just kept it going because he was fine. They wanted to keep him around. And. Yeah, like well, yeah, his, his oh, eight years later or whatever it is. His performance in the in the match back obviously played a large role in that. I, I actually just listened to the, the you know, uh, Conrad and, and Bruce Pritchard do break down that card SummerSlam 2002. And, and Bruce kind of was the one who was like, yeah, you know, going in. We didn't know what the hell this match was going to be, if it was going to be good or yeah. what. And he said they everyone was doing cartwheels in the back afterwards. So Yeah, that was one of the great SummerSlams of all time, just top to bottom. Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. But what like you like you said before, you mentioned with, uh, you know, Sean working the modified style. That's really the question. Right. With yeah. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Do we want to see Daniel Bryan back in the ring if he can't be Daniel Bryan? It's it's a fair question. And if 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 that's the question he's asking himself and if he's saying to himself, I don't want to come back and work WWE if I can't be me and if I wait six months ring of honor or or japan they're gonna let me do whatever then i'd rather wait for that i mean i get it i guess Mm -hmm. i think i think it's similar to how sean kind of learned through that SummerSlam match and then wwe in return kind of learned like what he could do as he came back and it was kind of a growing process where he ended up having basically no restrictions right like he worked his old style Oh, he had yeah, some I mean, of the best matches of his career. And I think people might be surprised to hear me say this, but I think 
even if Daniel Bryan comes back, I still think Shawn Michaels' return in 2002 was even more unexpected than Daniel Bryan returning to the ring. Like, I thought there was, you go 1998 to 2002, he was off for four and a half years. Nobody thought in a million years Shawn Michaels would ever work again. Well, well, it's interesting because it's basically been, well, no, it's been three for Brian. But the thing with Shawn is, you know, you'd always heard about it, but then the rumors just died. You know, he had his personal issues behind the scenes. He, he they, they wanted him to come back in 01, but he was a complete mess. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, you're right. People had kind of just turned the page on Michaels and... You know, especially when the promote the promotion got hot without him, you know, and there was not a burning need for Shawn Michaels. Yeah, yeah I think that's the big difference between the if you're going to point out a difference between the two, it's that, uh, you know, Shawn for a while, it, it didn't seem like he, he had that burning desire to come back. Whereas Daniel Bryan, basically from the day he was told he was done, um, you know, he's wanted to come back and we've we've kind of been whether it's been in the back of our minds or for some people you know at the forefront of our minds I don't know how many people have actually given up on Daniel Bryan in terms of him coming back and being an in-ring performer you know somewhere mm-hmm. I think I think that's always been a thing where we've uh, you know most people have kind of been waiting for that in some capacity he's going to come back here if they won't let him come back here he's going to go somewhere else but that's virtually since day one that's I don't, I don't know if anyone has really believed that we'd never see him wrestle again anywhere. Whereas right. Sean, we absolutely did. Exactly. That's yeah. That's why, yeah. That's why I kind of think Sean's return was more surprising because people do think Brian's going to come back at some point, but nobody really expected that out of Sean. But either way, Daniel Bryan getting back at the ring will be freaking awesome and well, be uh, the uh, the ultimate payoff for sitting through these SmackDowns the last six months. I need to make two final points. One, they can absolutely do the match with limited stuff with Brian as I think about it in my head. You got to get some heat on him with Kevin and Sammy, though. You know, you got to do something where people are dying to see this hot tag and Brian to beat the shit out of Owens and Zayn. Because, you know, he has no, there's no issue with him and those two, really. You know, it'd be different. It'd be really easy to do, for instance, going back to an earlier point, if The Miz was on the other side. And people were like, you know, they were taught, they were teasing and building and building to this hot tag where Brian would go ape shit on the Miz. You know, that's been kind of subtly built to the last couple of years. There's really, you know, I don't think anyone's dying to see Daniel Bryan mix it up with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, really. So they do have to do some work there. And my final point is if Daniel Bryan doesn't come back, my God, is this the worst podcast that's ever been done? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think I already know what the title for this show is going to be. Definitely Daniel Bryan centric. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I do think this is going to serve though. If he does come back, it's it's kind of a gateway where you can kind of see what he does, warm up WWE to the uh, you know the idea that he could work more in the future, and maybe that's how Bryan's looking at it. Even if he is restricted, you know, it's it's a way to open their eyes a little bit. We'll see what happens. I, I guess Dolph Ziggler's not getting that singles match at WrestleMania, huh? Poor Dolph, Kyle's oh, favorite wrestler. In three months, when uh, Ty Dillinger is teaming up with Shane McMahon, we're all going to feel pretty stupid right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Ar- Andre Royal, by the way. Remember we all made fun of Brian Alvarez and his report about that? They haven't. I guess they didn't want to announce it this week because they announced the Moolah Battle Royal, which I think we need to get to probably here. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> they're still going to do the Andre, right? Cause oh, that, yeah. Bringing up Dolph just made me think of that because um, – but but there's not a lot of guys who are you know don't have a match really 
I mean, yeah. it's a big cluster, but well, I guess you know, there's like Baron Corbin doesn't have a match. Root. Well, here's the thing with Braun, if he's in his tag title match now against the Bar, which we should probably talk about too, that opens the door for Rusev to win the Andre. I think because Braun being in the Andre, Rusev would have been the big loser of that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rusev should absolutely win if he's in it, I think. You, you'll have your guys from NXT they'll bring up, too. I think they can fill it out. I think there's no way they, there's no way they can't do the Andre Battle Royal with that HBO doc airing around the same time. So I don't, I don't see any way. You know, I don't think there's, you know, again, you know, I don't want to be, you know, some, you know, trying to, you know, be labeled as the guy who, you know, is against the plight of women or not. I'm absolutely not. I love it. I mean, look, this card is has more women's matches on it than any big show in history. Is there a need for this Moolah battle, putting aside the, you know, ridiculousness that we're lionizing the fabulous Moolah again, is there really a need for this woman's battle royal? I mean, couldn't we do, like, I just hate the idea of there being two battle royals on a show. Mm-hmm. Um, like, couldn't we have done, like, a 10-woman man, a or an 8-woman or something like that instead? I mean, how many women are there really left? Every pay-per-view is a 10-woman match, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, I know, but... <laughs> I just, I just don't like. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, yeah, uh, yeah, Ryan, I know you mean. definitely. Yeah, Ryan, we talked about this when they first announced this brand split. That one of my big pet peeves in the, you know, the early aughts, the first time around, was I hated kind of the duplicate booking. And mm-hmm. you know, it's going to be interesting with the Rumble. You know, it was obviously very novel this year, the Women's Royal Rumble. And I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I think it's a very good idea. You know, we really should give WWE credit for their booking of the women. We really should. I think it's one of the best things they've done over the last two years. But two battle royals on the same show just ugh. There's yeah. a part of it that definitely seems a little uh, PR-centric. Um, they love, 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 love saying first ever women's yeah. blink. Um, and I don't know. You can definitely make the case, and I, I wouldn't disagree with you that this, this battle royal – is fitting that mold yeah but what happens when it's not the first is my thing and you're just having shows that have two battle royals because we look i mean the battle royal is a gimmick has been kind of dead for years let's be honest uh but you know when they did multiple men's hell on the cell card matches on the same card multiple elimination chamber matches on the same card you know, it it hurt the gimmick, I think, a little bit. Oh yeah, I I mean that's and that's a conver- that's a whole other conversation if we want to go down that road, which is you know once they stopped, once they started using the Hell in a Cell as a pay per view brand name as opposed to a match they utilize for blood feuds, um, you know, and and what that took away from the experience that like you know that's a whole other conversation, yeah. but um, yeah, no, it's. I don't know. It's they want to be able to say it's it's another historic moment, and I mean, I I guess that's fine if it if it keeps from having to have another, you know, six woman title match or six woman whatever. I mean, I mean, I guess if they have room on the card, sure, why not? But but like you said, you, you know, eventually, you know, next year is going to come around. And it's going to be uh, the second ever women's battle royal, and it's not going to feel the same way. Same thing with Money in the Bank. Same thing with Hell in a Cell. And all of a sudden, you have all these cards where it's like, you know, you get because Money in the Bank is going to be a dual brand pay per view next year. 
So uh, if they do a raw money in the bank and then a SmackDown money in the bank, and then how are they going to do that? You know? Yeah. No. See, I raw, think... raw men, raw women, SmackDown men, SmackDown women. All of a sudden, it's just a, geez, it's just a mess. No way. I think for that to that point, I think they'll clearly for Money in the Bank there will be a men's Money in the Bank and a women's Money in the Bank, and it'll be represented by both brands. I think. I hope so. Yeah, I, you can't have four fucking Money in the Bank matches on the same. Right. Place. No, that's exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I the thing I don't like about it is it to me I hate this idea that they have to get everyone on the show. Like it's it's just like the ultimate kind of like the participation trophy kind of thing. Oh, <laughs> you know, like back in the 80s, they had three touring groups. Everyone wasn't making the WrestleMania card. And they had some really long WrestleMania cards back then, by the way. I don't think everyone has to get on the show. I mean, it's just maybe it's just something you work towards. If you don't get in, there's your incentive to work harder for next year. And there's always going to be people that deserve to get on the card that don't get on the card. But I, you just can't get everyone on. The cards, some of these, sh- these shows are just getting way, way too long. We're Kyle, we're going to go to like a six-hour event that day. Yeah, and I'm going to say it's going to be really interesting because you've got – this card's going to be like 14 matches, 14 or 15 matches if they have two battle royals. And, you know, and they give everything time. It's not like, you know, you just referenced, you know, the older WrestleManias, how they'd have a ton of matches. Well, you know, a lot of those matches would go like three or four minutes. Yeah. You know, like uh, yeah, you know, like WrestleMania 5, 6, and 7, I think those all had like 14 matches on them, just like this one. Well, those shows were like three-hour shows. Because you know, you'd have you know LOD beating Power and Glory in 57 seconds. They don't do that anymore. Everything gets timed. So I'm with you. I don't think there's a need for everyone to get on the card, especially with this battle royal, this Andre battle royal. Okay, it'd be cool to pop the crowd with Rus- the Rusev stuff, but who else is going to be in it? I mean, if Braun's not going to be in it anymore, if Owens and Zayn aren't going to be in it anymore, not a lot of star power there. Yeah. And again, I, a point I, I kind of made earlier, I just sort of shouted it out randomly and, and wonderful. How many women are there kind of left to do the Battle Royal? I mean, they're going to have to do call-ups, obviously, but it's it's not like I'm really clamoring. I mean, other than poor Becky Lynch, who I, I don't yeah. know what they have against her, there's no one I'm really clamoring to see. Yeah, that's true. Um, I did want to hit on a point you made, Kyle, though, about giving the, them credit for what they've done with the women because uh, we're probably not going to talk much about Fastlane tonight, but that moment in Fastlane where Asuka and Charlotte faced off, that was the biggest pop of the night, in my opinion, watching the show. I, I wasn't there in Columbus, but it seemed like it was the biggest moment of the night. Um, we ran a poll on the Twitter account. Which match are you more excited for at WrestleMania? Asuka Charlotte or Reigns Lesnar had 158 votes, and 85% of the voters said Asuka Charlotte. Well, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> I don't agree with that. <laughs> well, that's a lot of people, though. I mean, they ha- it shows the interest. They have done a great job with the, you know, the main event scene in the women's divisions, I think. And I think... There's a lot of intrigue with Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss and what they're doing on Raw, too. I think they've built that up pretty good. Yeah, I like that angle of money. Uh, I'll say this. Your boy Shep doesn't agree. I saw he was tweeting tonight, oh, you know, listen to that crowd reaction. Because, you know, he was saying, oh, you know, not that many people were, they weren't. Yeah. Well, he's a moron. Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. It threw off. I think my Alexa went off because somebody said Alexa Bliss. That happens all the time in my house, by the way. All the freaking time. 
<laughs> it went off the one time, like, because she was cutting a promo, and it was like, that's not very nice, is what the Alexa said, and I was like, oh my god. Well, but, at least the um, Alexa wasn't laughing at you in the background. But yeah, well, here's my point. Charlotte and Asuka, okay, Smack, it was needed to do, because the SmackDown women's division has not really been booked very well uh, most of uh, last year. But this is easily, in terms of star power, the biggest women's match they've ever done, right? Oh, yeah. I think okay. so. Gotta be, yeah. Although, you know what's funny? I guess they're both. it's a babyface, babyface match. I like both as a heel better. I loved Asuka's heel work in NXT, and Charlotte's terribly miscast in that babyface role. Mm, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I thought of this. I wanted to kind of parlay that into another thought from SmackDown, um, and that has to do with Nakamura and AJ, which obviously is going to be a great match in the ring. I think we're all looking forward to it. Could they just get off of having Nakamura have to give promos? Because I think I think we've talked about this on the show before. It just I feel like it hurts him more than anything else. Like I don't see what he has to gain by talking and like the crowd was doing the what thing tonight to him on SmackDown, which is bad, but like what's 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 the point? The guy's super charismatic. He's not from the United States. His English isn't the greatest. Does he really need to be talking on the on the mic? I know that's how they traditionally build up their main events, but my God, yeah. say I, I I'll give it. I'll let Joe take the floor, but let me just give a short answer. You're not going to like that. Is the way they do it. And look, it's really funny when people say, "Oh, Knox shouldn't have to cut promos," but if you know they put somebody out there who I guess would be less charismatic and, and we don't care about as much, but if they can't come, oh, fucking cut them. You know, they suck. Get rid of this person. They can't cut a promo. How can you not cut a promo? It's funny that Nakamura people feel that he has the right kind of not to have it's, to it's cut. He, it's because it's not his first language, though, right? Well, like, I, Brock Lesnar is terrible, and he doesn't have to talk because he can't talk. He's terrible on the mic, so they don't make him talk. Yes, look, look, and it's funny that you bring that up because other than Lesnar... There's probably WWE. This is one of the crit. You know, people say, "Oh, you're pro WWE, whatever." One of my real criticisms of WWE is they do not do a good job of hiding the negative, accentuating the positive. They're really the only promotion I can think of in wrestling history, other than Vince Russo booked WCW, that has done that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back to the history of wrestling, guys, they always did a good job accentuating their positives, hiding their negatives. You're right. If they weren't that good on promos, they didn't get a lot of promo time and they could still get over in other ways. Yeah. But it's the way they do things. That's, so the reason I thought of it is because we were talking about Asuka and I thought her delivery oh, on oh. SmackDown was, was yeah. better than Nakamura's, but it's also not very good. And I think she's another one that doesn't really need to be talking, but that hey, that's just me. What were your thoughts on that, Joe? Oh, no. I I'm I'm somehow going to uh, agree with both of you, even though it seems like you're you're disagreeing with each other in a way. Um, Nakamura, he, like you said, it's it's basic leadership skills is putting your people in a position to succeed, and like Kyle said, accentuating the positives and and kind of doing what you can to to hide the negatives. Nakamura doesn't need to talk. If you watch SmackDown tonight and you saw how the the end of the Styles-Rusev match played out where Styles was taking the two-on-one beatdown, Nakamura didn't run into – he didn't sprint into the ring. He didn't jump up out of his chair on the commentary table. Nakamura stood up, took his time, slowly unzipped his vest or whatever the hell he has on, and strolled into the ring – 
in, you know, whatever time he felt he wanted to run into the ring. It's be, it's because he's the coolest guy in the fucking room, no matter what room he's in. He doesn't need to talk because his body language and his just the way he carries himself is enough. So I, I don't know. It's tough to make the case that you're not hurting him by giving him extended mic time because he he just doesn't need it. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Hundred. I think, agree. and he's not alone, by the way. I think there's a lot of folks that get hung out to dry in these long promo segments, unless if you're, you know, the Miz or I don't know somebody else, like or John Cena. I mean, it, again, it's everyone loves NXT, but it's kind of an indictment of NXT that a lot of these people that come up cannot do the long promo segments. Yeah, and then well, remember they NXT lost their best coach for that. Right, Dusty Rhodes. When Dusty Rhodes passed away, he was he was one of the integral parts of teaching him how to do promos down there. Yeah. Well, I mean, still though, I mean, somebody's got to pick up slack. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. Throw your hands up and say Dusty's gone. Well, fuck it. I guess these guys are just gonna not cut promos. <clears throat> no. It's funny. Yeah, for sure. It's funny you guys bring up NXT and, and say that because I I remember listening to the podcast last week talking about Mandy Rose and how, you know, I'm gonna I'm a hundred percent in agreement that Mandy Rose is a future star. But right now, she's, as far as in-ring, not exactly where we want her to be yet. And that begs the question, what is the point of NXT if you're going to bring these people up before they're ready? Well, I've got an excellent counter to that. Braun Strowman and Elias, who I think most people would say were some of the less seasoned people. I think you can teach the work after the fact, better than you can promos. I, th- I think, you know, getting your character down, being able to cut a promo on live television, that needs to be more of a focus in NXT right now than just having a good match. Because yeah, and- Triple H is signing these guys who realistically, okay, they need to work some kinks out, work in the WWE ring, learn the hard camera, yada, yada, yada. But, I mean, a lot of these guys that Triple H is signing from the indies, they don't need a lot of seasoning. What they need help with is, you know, the mic work. Yeah. And that goes back to that goes back to what you guys talked about last week. You touched on it briefly, which is 2018 NXT is is really not what it was supposed to be no. when they first came up with the idea. No, it's not at all. It's it's completely different. Uh, I watched an episode from 2013, not that long ago, and they were having like you know Dolph Ziggler like show back up and would work against a guy. Mm-hmm. And he was treated like a freaking god when he yeah. came back. Right? <laughs> I, you know, and again, by the way, I'm not. I wasn't against that strategy. I liked it quite a bit. You oh know, yeah. When if a guy's not doing anything on the main roster, you know, have him come down to NXT, work with some guys because that behooves. You know the the NXT talent who might be working with the guy they might be you know working with in the future. Yeah, Sammy and Cesaro was obviously like the best example of it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, talking of promos, as we are almost fifty minutes into the show, I believe, and we haven't gotten to it yet. That promo John Cena gave Monday night. We have to talk about this because, in my opinion, I tweeted this out. I know Joe responded to it at the time. I think that might have been the best promo in John Cena's career. Ooh, I don't know about that. To me, I it's it's up there. Like it's, 
I would have to rewatch some of his all-time best promos, but man, I I think he's gotten a lot better on the mic. I didn't used to like John Cena that much on the mic because I thought he was just too goofy and too hokey. But as he's done as he's done more acting, he's gotten more believable on the mic. See, I didn't like the beginning part of that promo when he was talking about, "Oh, I'm just go- I'm just going as a fan this year." It's like nobody fucking believes. This. <laughs> hey, but when he went out in the <laughs> in the in the uh, crowd, actually, if you've watched Total Divas, you know John Cena is a germaphobe, and when he took a drink out of that guy's beer, that must have taken everything out of him to do that. That I hey, I was just <laughs> I, I was thoroughly I impressed from that. I did not like when he tried leading a this is awesome chant. That was kind of cringeworthy for me. But while I'll say this, once he turned to the Undertaker, once he pivoted, I mean, yeah, it was it was a complete home run. Joe, I know I know you like that promo a lot. I am all the way here for psychotic John Cena. John Cena who is panicking because he doesn't have a match. So he's talking about going into the crowd and just get the, the most relatable John Cena has ever been for his entire career is I'm just going to get wasted and sit in the crowd for WrestleMania. That's the most I've been able to relate to John Cena <laughs> in my entire life. So true. Um, it's he was he was. He was Ross Geller in the Friends episode where he's making margaritas even though Joey's dating Rachel. And he's like, everything is fine. Don't worry. Like, he's losing his (laughs) mind clearly. But I'm all the way in. I'm all the way in on John Cena being, you know, he knows he's over the hill, but he's trying to talk himself out of it. And, you know... I don't have a path to WrestleMania, but that's fine. I don't even care if I'm not in WrestleMania. I'll sit in the crowd and, uh, but oh, also I'm going to challenge the fucking Undertaker. He's a maniac right now. I'm, I'm all in on this version of John Cena. Would the promo have been better had he not teased the Undertaker previously? I'm talking about the one that just happened Monday night. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Like, like if it, like it would have been more like, cause I feel that like everyone was sort of just waiting for him to say, eh, screw this. I'm challenging the Undertaker. Like had he not, throw that carrot out two weeks ago or whatever and he did that same promo and then threw out the challenge to the Undertaker I mean my god yeah, yeah you can definitely uh, you could definitely make that case because I think I think everyone while he was going through his spiel was waiting for him to get to that point where mm-hmm. he was going to bring up Undertaker again yeah for sure yeah, all I know is that promo got me super amped, not just because I'm going to the show, but I I haven't always been the biggest John Cena fan personally. Like, I really respect his career. I think he's one of the top 10 WWE stars of all time, and I've always thought he was a really good wrestler, puts on great matches, but I just never really got into the character that much watching it. Um, I was one of those people in the mid-2000s, you know, that kind of the whole Super Cena stuff. I was getting sick of it, wanted him to turn heel. But Monday night, man, I was jacked after watching that. I just thought it was so tremendous, and I am really looking forward to him wrestling a 50-plus-year-old Undertaker, and I'll leave it at that. He, he sold me on the match. A, can I ask you guys a Cena question? Have we gotten to the point now where when he comes out and the crowd does, John Cena sucks, or is that basically the Kurt Angle, you suck, where... Oh, yeah. If yeah, you where Cena sucks, you're an idiot. Period. Point. Yeah. Point. You're just like dumb. everyone, you know everyone chanting that. that. Everyone chanting that is is doing that. You know, in as a term, you know, affectionately at this point, right? There's no way that all those people still hate John Cena. 
I mean, there's still there there are some, I'm sure, but it's just I think it's very Pavlonian. I, I think there's a lot of Pavlonian stuff in, among WWE crowds, which is why when people are like listen to this crowd tonight, listen to this crowd tonight, listen to what they were doing, yeah, you got to pump the brakes on that stuff sometimes, you know. Yeah. WWE has had an interesting. You talk about a podcast that we could go on and on about. I mean, WWE and its interpretation of the hardcore fan base reaction. I mean, my God. I mean, the times that they should have listened and didn't, the times they did listen and it bit them in the ass, Hulk Hogan. But, you, you know, I mean, that, that's just, yeah, that would take too long, I guess, to talk about in the few minutes we have. And I'd rather talk about the fabulous Moolah, you know, and Pip Main Easy. <laughs> Yeah, look with John Cena though there there is some parallels with Roman. Um, obviously, Roman is not as good on the mic as Cena was when Cena was beginning to be pushed. But Roman has some awesome matches, and anyone yeah. anyone that who uh, you know has always been on the Cena hating bandwagon that you know they they think he sucks and they're actually thinking he sucks when they chant that they're way off base. He does. I will say he does have one of the worst STFs in the history of pro wrestling. But oh, it's still <laughs> horrible. But overall, man, this guy has four plus star matches year after year after year after year, and there's no way you can't respect the guy at this point and think he's one of the greatest of all time. Maybe I haven't liked the way the character's been booked his whole career, but I gotta admire the guy's career. And I think Reigns, you know, yes, he's having awesome matches, and maybe he's he might even be having better matches than Cena was at this point in his career. He's a great TV worker. He had a great, great year of television matches uh, in 2017. Roman Reigns. Yeah. We're all going to miss Cena when he's gone. Oh, Everyone. yeah, no doubt. Oh, we're, get, we're getting to that point now where his, where his appearances are becoming more rare. And even the people that didn't like him got to be happy when he comes back. I would think so. Yeah. You, I mean, you got to be. Yeah. He's, it, WWE is more interesting when he's around. For sure. So let's end on this moolah story guys because i know kyle's got some thoughts he's kind of like our big time historian on the show i know he probably knows a lot of the uh all the innuendo on the fabulous moolah and all the accusations against her um what a tone deaf move by the wwe to name the battle royal after the fabulous moolah in this day and age with what's been going on with women you know on social media and in real life and politics and everything and they're obviously not pivoting on this because they pumped it again on SmackDown tonight, played that same cringeworthy video package. It is she, cringeworthy is a great term to describe it. It is cringeworthy. And terrible. the worst is, you know, when they called the tournament the May Young Classic last year, uh, David Bixon's fan broke, uh, brought this up. It really seemed that they had pivoted away from Moolah. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, ugh. look, here's the thing. We're all wrestling fans, right? I mean, you, okay, that goes without saying. You, the fandom of this industry comes, you know, there, there's certain things that are not awesome about it. And that's true for anything. But, like, this industry in particular has its demons. I mean, you know, they've got a Warrior Award, and the Ultimate Warrior made some of the most homophobic remarks I have ever heard in a public place, you know, not more than 10 years before his death. Okay, that's terrible. Um, You know, there's they've exploited uh, wars before with with the slaughter angle. There's I mean, we could go on and on about all this. Lots of lots and lots of race baiting, race baiting, misogyny. I mean, Vince McMahon, you know what has not aged well? I mean, it didn't. It was kind of cringeworthy at the time. And it certainly hasn't aged well as, you know, Trish bark like a dog and 
take off your bra. I mean, that, oh boy, they can't do that anymore. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's shitty. Uh, you know, that that's another reason why I don't want the women's battle royal, kind of, because, you know, I heard some people throw it out. Oh, you know, it should be the China battle royal or the Sherry Martell battle royal. Eh, they're not going to do that. So, look, it's shitty. And the allegations are all out there about Moolah. You know, I saw somebody joke, is Moolah going to get 35% of all the women's payoffs for the match now? <laughs> I kind of laughed at. But, I mean, it, it's not a funny situation, really. And it, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it's someone who should not be honored. But this is a business filled with people that get honored that may not be the greatest people in the world. No, the Warrior Awards should not exist. Bar none. I mean, I know they honored him right before his death, but my God, just look at his track record. It's awkward. It's really awkward to see if there's no way some of the people they bring out there in in the ring to honor with the Worry Award and, and the publicity with that. If they knew some of the things this guy said, they would not be associated with them. And yeah, with the with the Mula thing, isn't there there's a point in the video where someone says something like pioneer of women's rights or something and i'm like oh my god oh, that, the, there is there was you're right there's a line where it's like okay <laughs> all right i'm trying to stomach through this freaking this fucking video but like yeah there are a few lines like come on you don't need to do that yeah you know what the worst part of it is is like it's it's bad enough that they want to go this route and they're going to put together, you know, a video package, but they have all these performers on, you know, they have Sasha and they have Becky and they have Naomi all, all saying these. And, and you have to think people like that who are longtime fans of the business. And I'm sure people, you know, who have knowledge of this stuff, you, you just wonder, you know, like, are they, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm being silly, but, are are they getting on these video packages and saying these things voluntarily? You know, like you said, Mula, you know, a, a crusader of women's rights or whatever the phrase was. Like, are is is someone like Sasha Banks or Naomi? Are they are they getting on this video package voluntarily and saying this? Did they not know what is going on? Did they know but they're saying it because they're being asked to? Like, that's the part that almost bothers me more than anything. Right. Yeah. I think some of those interviews are. Months, if not years old, you can t- you can kind of tell they're they're kind of taking them out of context, but they still did say complimentary things. So, yeah, for for anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, if you've never looked into the history of the fabulous Moolah in in professional wrestling, what Kyle referenced was um, basically she she had some shady economics. She would uh, train wrestlers down in uh, where'd she live? North Carolina, South Carolina, something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah, she would train wrestlers, and then she would take a cut of their pay, and then she would charge them for rent, and she would charge them for food, and like they couldn't get ahead for years because she was taking their booking money. Um, she would send performers off to like a guy in the Southwest who would take like pictures of these women against their own will or use them for sexual purposes, like some really, really bad stuff. And there's like prostitution allegations and stuff. Like basically, she'd send them to places, and it was sort of like. If you know, you know, do what you're told. Yeah, take that means. I mean, so I mean, again, I wasn't there for any of this. It's all alleged, but you know, right? But the, there's multiple people corroborating this. Like, it's yeah, not I mean, one person that alleges this. Yeah. Um. You know, 
I should mention this name because I want to mention him for another reason too. Ryan Satin at Pro Wrestling Sheet, who, who by the way, uh, you know, I, my heart, I feel terrible for the Lucha Underground can fuck off. Okay, I want to get that out of the way first. Like, okay, if Satin was in the crowd, and I didn't read his response. If he was in the crowd and signed an agreement that he wouldn't post spoilers and did, okay, then they Lucha Underground has an uh, has an argument. But still, the idea of going after people for publishing spoilers is so fucking shitty, and I will never watch Lucha Underground. Now, I want to talk about something else. Now that I got that out of the way, Satin had um, an interview with somebody, one of Mula's former trainees, who had something you know not nice to say about her. So you can go read that. Bixen Span's got a bunch of shit up on his Twitter feed. You can read that um, if you're kind of late to the party on this. But fuck Lucha Underground, too. <laughs> well, so. I mean, as long as we're as long as we're going that route, fuck Mula and fuck Ultimate <laughs> Warrior. Yeah, yeah. What a show! What a show, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> on that note guys i think we're gonna wrap it up this has been a hell of a show Love uh, with all my heart and soul though <laughs> <laughs> i definitely want to thank my co-hosts joe and kyle for being here with us joe it's good to have you back on we'll definitely get you on real soon again love you too joe um so so <laughs> glad like to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so glad to be here anytime you guys need me i'm around I'm, all I'm doing is rewatching The Wire for the fourth time. So let, let me know next time. <laughs> love it, love it. And of course, you're you're listening to the Top Rope Press or the Top Rope Nation Archive, I should say, because that's what everyone should be doing. Check it out, iTunes, uh, Stitcher Radio. We're on Spotify now. You can find us on the Google Play Store, TopRopeNation.com. And uh, like I said earlier, check out episode 50 this weekend. We'll have an exclusive interview with Flip Gordon from uh, Ring of Honor. He wrestled New Japan a couple weeks ago. And if you watch Being the Elite on YouTube, he's kind of had this ongoing storyline where he's trying to get booked on the big all-in show with the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Kenny Omega. So we will certainly address that on the show this week. So tune in for the Flip Gordon interview, and then we will catch you with episode 51 next week. Have a good week. guys it's mike as you know i adopted my pup rocky from a local rescue now when people ask me what kind of dog rocky was i was always stumped i used an embark dog dna test to decode my most puzzling questions about rocky you can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with embark the highest rated dog dna test unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks save 50 dollars on a breed and health kit with promo code kit at embarkvet.com again that's promo code kit